Welcome to episode number 153 of the Pioneering Today podcast. Today, we are going to be talking about something that is sometimes, believe it or not, a bit of a touchy subject. And that, my friends, has to do with canning and specifically following updated and safe canning recipes and procedures, but not just following those, but what to do or how to deal with situations when you are either given home canned food from someone. How do you know that it's actually safe? How do you go about talking to that person about canning safety and even taking that a step further? And when you know that the recipe is an old one or that they haven't followed updated and safe canning procedures, what do you do in those situations? This is something that I've actually received quite a few emails on. You guys have private messaged me. We've talked about it in some of the different Facebook groups that I've got. And I think it's a really good thing to address. And it's something that I've got some personal experience with in my own life. So at the time of this recording, we are in mid-August. This is kind of the height or the peak of preserving season for a lot of the people, at least in the North American climates, when a lot of the garden is coming on strong. And we're kind of scurrying around trying to get all of that preserved while it's in season to take us through the rest of the year. And for many people, that does involve canning. So we do need to talk just briefly a little bit about canning safety. So if you are brand new and you have not really done a lot of canning or you're like, well, how do I know what is safe canning and what does that all go down on? I've actually got an entirely free one hour class that really dives into this. So it explains all of the science, what botulism actually is, how you can make sure you're avoiding botulism, canning safety, including the do not can at home list, even with a pressure canner. We really just dive in and get down into the nitty gritty and then how to safely use a pressure canner. So if you're not sure if a canning recipe is safe or what necessarily updated canning procedures are, then I highly recommend that you take this class. As I said, totally free. You can go to sign up and register for that at melissaknorris.com forward slash canning class. So all one word, no spaces, melissaknorris.com forward slash canning class. And then you can also find that in the show notes. So for every single podcast episode that I've got, there's a blog post that accompany it, which is essentially what I'm saying in written form, but there's links and if there's any resources I'm talking about, you can access them there. To find that, you'll also go to the website, which is melissaknorris.com, and there's two ways. You can click on the podcast button. Every single episode all the way back to number one is listed there for you in chronological order. Or you can just go to melissaknorris.com forward slash one five three, because this is episode number 153. And I got so excited to dive into today's topic, I kind of forgot to do my intro. So if you are new and this is your first time joining us on the podcast, welcome. So thrilled to have you. If you are one of my regular listeners, you know I love you. And this, the Pioneering Today podcast, is where we talk about using 
old-fashioned skill sets and wisdom to create a natural and self-sufficient home from the kitchen to the barnyard to the garden to the natural medicine cabinet with or without a full-on homestead. Okay, so let's get down to it. When it comes to canning safety, I'm going to just make this as brief as possible, and then we're going to get into the meat of it for those of you that already know what the updated procedures are and how to know. So for something to safely be water bath canned, so that is when you are processing the contents of a mason jar in a pot of boiling water for a specified amount of time. That's what water bath canning is. That, to be safe and to water bath can something, it needs to fall on the pH scale. Let's go back to high school for a minute, or maybe even grade school. 4.6 pH or lower. The lower you go on the pH scale, the more acidic the item is. So in order for something to be safely water bath canned, 4.6 or lower on the pH scale, because botulism does not grow in an acidic environment, specifically 4.6 or lower, okay? That's what makes water bath canning safe is foods, most of your fruits, not all. And then if something is pickled and it needs to be a updated and tested pickling recipe so that that ratio of non-acidic ingredients, which are going to be all of your vegetables, to acidity, that's going to be your vinegar and your lemon juice in the case of canning salsas. Tomatoes are borderline. So tomatoes aren't always measuring at 4.6 or lower on that pH scale, which is why we always added acid when we were canning tomato sauce and tomato products when we were canning them. So if you're following an updated pickling recipe that that brine ratio is tested so that we know that the overall contents of the jar is 4.6 or lower, we're good to go. Those are the items you can water bath. Anything else, so vegetables that are not pickled, all of your meats, all of your soups, all of those things, those have to be pressure canned because it's a non-acidic environment, which means botulism spores can grow. And the only way to kill those spores without the acidity level being 4.6 or lower is to heat the contents of those jars up to the temperature when you're pressure canning, which for your non-acidic vegetables and meats is going to be 248 degrees Fahrenheit or higher, which is your 10 pounds of pressure. If you live 1,001 feet above sea level, so you are higher altitude, then you're gonna be using 15 pounds of pressure for your vegetables and your meats and your soups and those combination things, okay? So that's kind of in a nutshell. There's more to it, but that's it. So what do you do if you know someone has handed you a home canned good? Here's the deal, you guys. You cannot tell by looking at a jar of home canned food just because it's sealed does not mean that it's safe. A seal just means that you had vacuum action from it getting hot and cooling down. A sealed jar is in no way an indication that the food is safe or not. That just doesn't have anything to do with it. So if someone that you don't really know their canning practices or their kitchen, but someone hands you a jar of home canned food, you might be wondering like, oh goodness, like how do I know if this was canned properly, right? And that's a legitimate thing. I don't think we should feel bad for wondering that. The, the safety of our family is something that's really a high priority and I think that's fine. And this has happened to me. I've had people, because especially when people know that you garden and that you can, we get excited about that, right? You guys like, we're a club, no joke. The people who are gardening and raising their own food and the canning club, when we meet someone else who does that, or we want to learn how to do that, we are like, oh yes, like I've found my people. 
So naturally, people get excited about that. So I've had people bring me home canned food, and I'm kind of like, oh man, I don't know how they've done this, if it was been followed with safe procedures or not. So what I've done is I just simply ask them, how did you can this? And not like you're interrogating someone or in a snotty way or condescending, but just simply ask, you know, like, oh, what's your recipe or, or how did you go about doing this? How did you can this? And they'll tell you. And so if it's vegetables or meat in a jar and they start explaining to you that they water bath canned it for three hours, then you know that that is not safe because that has to be pressure canned. Or they may start sharing if it's a jam or a jelly recipe, they may share with you like, oh, you just boil the contents and you put it in a jar and then I just tightened down the lid and the seal and it just sealed, but they didn't process it in a water bath. Then you know that is not safe. So that is not safe to do. That is called jar flipping or open kettle canning. So that's when people have taken, usually with jam or jelly, sometimes with pickled foods. So they've taken the hot contents, right? poured it into that mason jar, they've put the lid on, screwed the band down, and then sometimes they'll flip the jar upside down and then later flip it upright and it will seal because it's simply sealing because hot and then cooling has created a vacuum action. But the whole point of processing it in the water bath is to kill any bacteria. And it doesn't matter if you have sterilized the jar and then you're pouring that boiling liquid in because bacteria is just everywhere. Botulism spores are actually everywhere, you guys. Like we come in contact with botulism all the time. It's when it's in a sealed jar that doesn't have oxygen in it, which is a sealed canning jar, that it multiplies and becomes an issue. So the whole point when we are canning acidic foods that we process them in the water bath is to kill any bacteria because bacteria, doesn't matter how fast we're pouring into a sterilized jar and slapping that lid on and screwing that band down, bacteria can get in there. You know, our hands are washed and of course we're practicing good sanitary things in our kitchen. That's just the nature of it. That's why a lot of times in the old days, they would open up a jar of jam and jelly and there would be mold present. And if you see mold just scraping it off, Mold grows downwards and it grows by spores. So if it's to the point where you can see it, just because you scrape off that top inch or that top layer of mold, those spores have already traveled down in throughout the contents of the jar. You just don't necessarily see them. And I hear people say a lot, well, my grandparents did that and we would just always scrape the mold off and we were fine. Well, a lot of times... People would get sick with things and they didn't even know back then that it was related to their food. And sometimes people are fine, but other times if you've got upper respiratory issues, weakened immune systems, I mean, there's a whole bunch of things, it can cause serious complications and people didn't realize back then that it was likely from their food. And my whole other thing is we've got the benefit of tested recipes and tested procedures. We've got the benefit of all of that. Why wouldn't we do it. You go through the work of growing this wonderful, organic, good-for-you food, making it yourself so that you know it doesn't have high fructose corn syrup in it. You are controlling the sugar level. There is no food dye. Why wouldn't you spend that 10 minutes to water bath it to make sure that it's totally safe and that it's shelf-stable without the mold? Like, Why wouldn't you do that? I'm always a little bit flabbergasted by that. Anyhow, back to it. So you ask somebody just, you know, how did you do that or what was your recipe? And they're going to share it with you. And so you'll be able to know most of the time when they start to share it with you, if it's been following an updated safe procedures and if they were using a pressure canner when need be, if they actually processed it in a water bath, that type of thing. Now, 
When it comes to pickled foods, that's not always as easy to know. And I'm going to say tomato products, salsas, and pickled foods, because a lot of times people will take their favorite salsa recipe, and other times it's a favorite pickle recipe that's been handed down, like it was great grandma's recipe or it was grandma's recipe. And a lot of those older canning recipes, we didn't have the benefit of the testing, and a lot of them aren't acidic enough. So what I do when I am looking at a recipe, so this is if you actually have the written recipe in front of you. And so if it's grandma's recipe, if it's in the family and it's grandma's recipe or great grandma's recipe, or it's somebody who's giving you a jar of it, you can ask them for a copy of the recipe. And what I do is I look up tested site, tested recipes. So for me, that is going to be updated. And it's important that these books that we're looking updated wise for tested recipes and ratios are relatively newer. So for me, kind of the early 2000s and up, which is, my goodness, you guys, that's 18 years actually, right? 18 years ago. Then Those are the ones that I go by. So Ball Complete Book of Home Preserving is one. The National Center for Home Food Preservation is another website. Of course, the Ball website, any of your county extension offices. So they have extension offices, will have canning recipes. Those are updated, tested, times and procedures on their recipes. So when I am handed a recipe that is an old family favorite, and I actually had to do this with my own family's recipe, we have a mustard pickle recipe that was handed down on my husband's side from his grandma or his great grandma. I think it was his great grandma. So I had the written recipe and a lot of those older recipes too. And this is one, if you see this listed as an ingredient, then you know that it's an outdated recipe. And that is using any type of thickener that is flour, cornstarch, cornmeal, tapioca, arrowroot, any of those are no longer approved thickeners for canning because they can create thick spots in the jar. And if you have a spot that is too thick, the heat cannot get through that spot to sufficiently kill the bacteria spores that we needed to kill in order to keep it safe. So if I'm looking at any recipe and it's got that in there, then I immediately know that that recipe is outdated and I either need to go find an updated source or not use it. So for example, this mustard pickle recipe that I had used flour as a thickener. And like I said, it was great grandma's recipe. We're going way far back. So what I did is I went to my Ball Complete Book of Home Preserving book And there is a recipe in there that has a mustard pickle recipe in it that uses clear gel, which is the only tested and approved thickener to use when you are canning. So that's what you're going to be using for pie fillings. If it's some type of relish recipe that calls or a sauce that calls for a thickener, clear gel is the only approved canning thickener to use. And I go into a lot more detail on exact science and more on this in the free home canning class. So I'm trying to just give you enough information here in regards to what we're talking about. But I highly recommend that you go and take that class if you haven't been through it yet for more in-depth detail and on a whole lot more than just that. So long story short, trying to get to the point here. What I did was I went to that recipe from Ball and I made sure that the non-acidic to the acidic ratio was following that updated tested recipe. So the amount of clear gel 
to the amount of cucumbers, onions, and peppers to the amount of vinegar, so that's going to be your brine or your acidic ingredients, that that ratio was in the same ratio in a tested recipe. So that's what I did. So I took great grandma's recipe, looked at an updated recipe, and made sure that the acidity ratios all stayed the same as that tested recipe in order to keep us safe and that pH level of 4.6 or lower. So that's one of the things that you can do is you can take those older recipes, find an updated and tested recipe, and alter it to the tested recipe. And the main point that I'm making there anytime that you're trying to update something is you can never alter the acidic to non-acidic ratio. So exactly what I said, if it calls for two cups of vinegar and one cup of water and two cups of onions, you can't increase it to three cups of onions because then you're increasing non-acidity, right? You can't do that. And you couldn't say, oh, that's too vinegary for me. I want it to be two cups water to two cups vinegar because you're decreasing the acidity. So you can't do that. Now you could look at it and you'd be like, well, I don't really like that much onion flavor. I don't like that much pepper. If it called for two cups of onions and you could decrease it to one cup of onions because you're just emitting some of the non-acidic, but you're actually creating a more acidic recipe as long as then you don't try to add something else back in. So you get what I'm saying there. So if something's really spicy and you're like, ooh, I don't like that many peppers, you could take a pepper out, but you can't increase it and make it more spicy because then you're altering that careful balance where it's been measured with acidic to non-acidic ingredients. So that's how I will take a recipe if it's an old family one. I'll find that updated tested recipe and make sure that those ratios are following the tested recipe. And if not, then I don't use that old one. Now, what do you do if you've got family members or friends and they are serving a canning recipe that you're not sure of? Well, that's what I said. Just ask them like, oh, how did you make this? Or what's your recipe? Or how do you can this? And you'll be able to tell really quickly from the way they explain to it. And you can just ask questions like, how many pounds of pressure and how long did you pressure can this? If it's a non-acidic item, if it's a water bath item, you'll be asking them that too. Now, if you know that it's an old family recipe and it's not been updated, oftentimes what we'll hear, and I've had this happen in my experience, and I know this has happened to many of you guys, well, I've been doing like this for generations and nobody's gotten sick. And this can be hard because we love our family and our friends, right? I mean, if we're eating somebody's food, usually that means you're pretty close to them and you've got a relationship with them and we don't want to alienate anybody and we don't want to hurt their feelings. But when you know something is not safe, We also want to approach that and our hope is then they will do it the safe way, right? So this can be really hard and you're going to have to know what your relationship is with a person and how you can talk to them and how open they are to things. So my first thing would be, I've just learned a lot about canning and science and making sure that we're updated. And this is the reason why we do this now. And so, for example, people used to water bath can vegetables and not pressure can them a long time ago. But we know that botulism is not killed on non-acidic foods, no matter how long you water bath it. The temperature of boiling water is always 212 degrees Fahrenheit, y'all. It doesn't matter if you boil that water for five hours. It doesn't ever get any hotter than that. So we know that that's why we pressure can non-acidic vegetables, because we got to get that temperature up to that 250 degree Fahrenheit mark in order to kill the botulism spores. So you can share that. 
And some people just don't know. And then when they find out, they're like, oh, and then they're excited to learn and to do things the safe way. That does not always happen, unfortunately. So then you are left with someone who's like, well, we've done it this way for 50 plus years and nobody's gotten sick yet. That's a tough spot to be in because a lot of people know that we know that smoking cigarettes is carcinogenic and can cause cancer. Some people still choose to smoke and they haven't gotten cancer yet. And some of you may be like, really, you're comparing unsafe canning or outdated canning practices to smoking? But yeah, I kind of am. Just because you haven't gotten sick from something yet doesn't mean that you won't. And when it comes, especially when it comes to those non-acidic foods or pickling recipes not being acidic enough, and we're talking about botulism, I love canning, y'all, and I'm not trying to do any type of scaremongering at all. Botulism is a neurotoxin. I mean, it is. And it can be a fatal form of food poisoning. Is it fairly rare? Yeah, it is. Thank the good Lord above that we don't have a ton of botulism cases. But we know how to avoid it and how to stay safe with canning. That's the whole point of the updated and the tested recipes and procedures is so that you don't have to worry about it and so that you're avoiding it. So for me, if we've had a discussion on canning safety and that person doesn't want to change their ways or their practices, then I have just made the decision to not eat the food that I know has not been preserved in a safe manner. And that's just a choice we make. It doesn't have to be a big deal. You don't have to make a big deal about it. So I just know that those are the items that we don't eat if we're served those items from someone who's not following updated practices. So you, of course, everybody will be making their own decision on how they're going to do that. But that's how we've decided, I've decided to handle it. So if you have ran across that and you've got some ideas or suggestions on handling those situations, because sometimes with homesteading, we just run into those situations that are just kind of difficult, right? And I kind of think that this is one of them. I would love to hear about it. So you can leave me a note in the comments, leave me a note in the reviews. You can get with me on social media, send me a Facebook message. You can Instagram it, you know, all that fun stuff. I would love to hear if you've got some suggestions when you've been in these situations that have worked well. And if you are like, oh goodness, you didn't really know all of that about canning or I wanna make sure that I am staying safe, then as I've mentioned numerous times throughout this entire episode, I would love to have you join me for the free class. That's exactly why I give the free class because I realize that there's so much misinformation out there or there's those old outdated practices. And a lot of times people are like, well, you know, it might be outdated, but if you don't understand the science and the reason why it's been termed outdated, this is why you understand it so that you can stay safe because it really is all just about science it's not about keeping anybody from canning or trying to make people afraid. It's just so that you know the safe way because then once you know it, then you're like, oh man, I got this. And it really is easy to stay safe with canning. It truly is. So I wanna thank you guys so much. If you've got situations or questions or topics that you would like to hear us talk about here on the podcast, I would love to hear them, really. So again, email me. You can email me, melissa, melissaknorris.com. Leave me a blog post comment, and I would love to get your input for future episodes here on the podcast. Okay, guys, our verse of the week, we are in Psalm 37, and we are in verse 7 and 8, and this is the Amplified Translation of the Bible. Be still and rest in the Lord. Wait for Him and patiently lean yourself upon Him. Fret not yourself because of Him who prospers in His way. 
Because of the man who brings wicked devices to pass, cease from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not yourself. It tends only to evil doing. And this verse was one that really got me through a couple of rough days that I had earlier in the week prior to recording this. Just some personal stuff and just sometimes I think we just come under attack. We know if you're a Christian, if you're not a Christian, I hope that you enjoy this portion and you take something away from it that can help you in your life. If you are a Christian, then I'm just thrilled to have more people who are a brother and sister in Christ, who we are listening and we get to communicate with one another and hopefully lift one another up. But we know that the enemy, and when I say the enemy, as far as Christianity standpoint, I'm talking about Satan. He is out to destroy us, right? He hates us. He hates anybody who is following Christ. And he can attack us. And I tend to be a worrier and a fretter, which sounds so simple to say, well, just don't worry about it. But if you have ever been in that position where you are up in the middle of the night, you can't sleep, you are just consumed with it, you can tell yourself stop worrying about it, but that doesn't put you back to sleep, right? At least it doesn't for me. But I found that when I am worrying it really comes down to a trust and a faith issue. Because no matter what happens, and we tend to when we worry, I don't know about you, but my mind tends to run away with me. And then I start worrying like worst case scenario, like, oh goodness, well, what if this happens? And then what if this happens? And then what if that happens? And pretty soon you're imagining things that really could not even possibly happen, but your mind just starts spinning away. But even those worst case scenarios, say they did happen, Not that any of us want to go through those worst case scenarios, don't get me wrong, but either God and Jesus are big enough and they can do what they say they can do according to the word of God in the Bible, and they are Lord of everything, and I trust them with my whole life, with everything, in the good and in the bad and in the low and in the high, or I don't. And if I do trust them, then why am I sitting here fretting and worrying about what if, what if, what if? Because as long as I'm focusing on them, they're going to take care of me. Now, they might not be taking care of me the way I want, like everything's a bed of roses and that doesn't mean anything bad isn't going to happen to me, but they're going to be there with me. I'm in the palm of their hand and they are never going to forsake or leave me and they will walk through it with me. They will carry me through the storm. Do I believe that or not? And that's what I have to ask myself, especially when I am up in that middle of the night from 2 to 4 a.m. in the morning, that's what I have to remind myself when that worry and those frettings start to take over. Melissa, do you believe it or not? Do you really believe it or do you not? And if you do, then you just need to start praying to the Lord and ignoring all of this worry part. That was the pep talk that I had with myself one of these past evenings. And it'll happen again. That's just the human nature. We will come into situations that cause us to worry. But I found that the sooner I catch myself doing it and I get right down to it, do you trust him or not, then it's just that much faster that I'm able to set aside that worry and not be in that pit of despair. So a little bit heavy there, but I thank you for holding with me. And I hope that if you're in that spot, that you take some comfort and that's able to help you. So guys, thank you so much for being with me today. And I can't wait to be back here with you next week on our next edition of the Pioneer Today podcast. And if you're not, and you enjoyed today's show, 
make sure that you're subscribed. So if you're listening to this on your phone or whatever listening device, iTunes, Podcast Bean, Stitcher, make sure you just hit that subscribe button. And then as soon as that new episode comes out, it'll be right there waiting for you. You won't have to go and hunt it down. Thank you so much. We'll talk soon. Bye for now.